Well, hey, wherever you are, thanks so much for jumping on this video. I want to jump straight into the word today because I believe that God's got something for us, for you, for the church. Um, as we enter into this new time, as we come out of COVID, as we come into a new way of, of life, as um, so much of the world has changed in the last couple of years, and I believe more so, so much, there is so much that God is doing in the church. So come on, let's quickly pray, and then we're going to dive in to this content today. Father, thank you for what you're doing. We want to bless your name. We want to thank you for Jesus. We want to thank you for Jesus and what he's done, what he accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. I want to thank you, Father, that we get to participate through the power of the Holy Spirit in, a, in resurrected power. And Lord, not only are you resurrecting us, not only are you resurrecting me from my brokenness, from my sinfulness, from the flesh, but Father, you're so gracious that you want to use me as a vehicle of resurrection power in this community, in the world with my neighbors, with my children, and uh, in everything that I put my hand to. And so God, right now, I just make myself available and ask for you to speak to my heart, speak to our hearts, change our lives, and let your presence be made manifest today in Jesus' mighty name. I believe that we're, um, these next series of videos that I do are really uh, me, I suppose, just sharing prophetically, apostolically somewhat what I believe God is doing. And certainly what we at Empower Church are committed to walking out a journey um, and inviting the Holy Spirit to, um, to bring us into alignment with what he is doing in this day and age. I believe that we are witnessing a historic move of God. It's happening right before us. It may not be happening the way that we expected it to happen, even the way that the last 20 or 30 years we've been praying for it to happen, but it is happening. We're in a moment in time right now where it is a critical moment for us as the church to lean away from what we know and lean into what the Holy Spirit is doing right now. It's so historic what God is doing right now. I genuinely believe that um, I think we're going we're gonna to look back on this in the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Our children, our grandchildren and their children, God willing, are going to look back on this time and they're going to um, liken it uh, with one of the reformations. They're going to liken it with the great first awakening. They're gonna, it's been going to be mentioned in the same sentence as Azusa Street Revival and the like. And I'm not saying that about me or Matt Garner or anything I'm doing. I'm saying that because I believe that that is what God is doing. There is a cataclysmic, there is a significant shift happening in the church. And the spirit of God more than ever is saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the church. And not only is it happening, not only are we witnessing it, but if we're willing, God is inviting us to participate in it. In fact, God is inviting some of you, I speak prophetically right now, to be forerunners of this move of God. And it's going to take some resilience in order for us to get there because we are going to have to resist in what we know because behold, like Isaiah says, I am doing a new thing. 
I'm doing a new thing. It's going to blow your mind. It's going to challenge the way that you viewed things. But I am doing a new thing. You know, uh, several years ago now, um, in, in 2020, at the start of 2020, we had our first official Sunday at Empower Church. For those of you that, that don't know Empower Church, um, it's a church that my wife and a team and myself um, essentially pioneered in, in Melbourne, in Victoria. And uh, as we were pioneering it, we did not predict, <laughs> we did not predict that there would be, uh, that we would be ushered into a global pandemic. We had about eight services on the Sunday and, um, and momentum was building and all the things that um, I suppose communicate success and communicate um, uh, all those sorts of things, health and how we'd measured it in the past were happening. And then come eight weeks later into the, this journey of this church plant, we go into a lockdown. And uh, we in Victoria, uh, we had the longest lockdown in literally on the planet. And so we've spent much of our time pioneering this church uh, at home um, in this lockdown. Then since coming out, we've had some challenges with venues and all those sorts of things. And it's been a interesting ride it's been a valuable ride. It's been an important journey and process that the Holy Spirit has been taking our church community on and um, using the lockdown, believe it or not. Obviously, I'm not saying that he's the author of it, um, but using the lockdown to really continue to deeply work in us, to detox, detox us from some thinking that was worldly, that we thought was godly, to do a deep transformation in us so that we could uh, lean in to what God is doing. And one of the things on this journey since the start, since before, I, I always, I never felt God was just calling us to pioneer another church. And uh, for those of you that know me, I'm not anti any type of church. I believe in this day and age, we need the mega church and we also need the micro church. I believe we need the the home church, and I believe that we need the apostolic hub. I believe we need it all. There's a place for it all. What's more important is that we're aligned with the mission of Jesus to see his kingdom come, his will be done, and see people come to Christ, and to see people empowered and equipped. But on this journey, one of the sayings that we've always, um, we've had since the start and it's anchored uh, is that we want to be a new wineskin church. And that's kind of the prophetic language that we've used to communicate what we feel God is calling us to be about. A new wineskin church. And it comes out of a teaching that Jesus did in Mark chapter 22, verses, Mark, Mark chapter 2, verse 22. And let me quickly read it to you. It says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. And that for us has been a anchor scripture. And as the Lord has, um, has really brought revelation about, about this scripture and about what it means for us to be a new wineskin church and to be a new wineskin people, 
Um, God has been showing us that as we move into this next season, we've got to let go of the old wineskin. We've got to let go of some of the old structures. I'm not saying we throw everything out. That's not what I'm saying. But we do need to have a radical disposition in our spirits. We need to have a solid conviction about saying yes to what God is doing. And that might mean at the expense of what he has done. Church has been on the same path week in, week out for the last 20, 30 years. And I thank God for the things that he's done. But sometimes I get a feeling that we are saying, God, pour out your new wine. You know, I've been praying for revival and for a move of God's spirit. Um, And obviously I've got a lens and a filter of what I've thought that is. I've been praying for that since I was a teenager. Now in my 40s, I still continue to pray for it. But I can't help but wonder, Matt, Are you praying for new wine, but presenting an old wineskin for God to fill? God is such a good steward of himself, and he is so in love with the church that he, I believe, is, um, I believe what, what happens as we bring our conferences and our church services, as you bring the hunger of your of the old wineskin, as you bring the praise of the old wineskin, as you bring your devotion of the old wineskin, as you bring your old wineskin worship. I believe God just keeps but thinking it's a new wineskin. I believe God just keeps filling it with the same encounter. That's why for most of us, the conferences that we attend, the services that we go to, it's the same encounter after the same encounter. Why? Because it's old wine. But God is doing something new. And what we want to ensure that we're not, this is why we want to have soft hearts before the spirit, is we want to make sure that we are um, not like the Pharisees, not like the religious people of Jesus' day, who were in the synagogues praying for the prophecy to be fulfilled of the Messiah coming to earth. All while he was outside their doors being led on a donkey to be crucified. We've got to have soft hearts. And I believe, and I want to, I want to sound the alarm, that God is calling us into a new thing. God is calling you into a new thing. God is calling you into a new way to, of relating to him, in a new way. There is a new expression of the kingdom and of church being released in the earth at this time. You know, a number of months ago, I was praying And um, in that prayer time, I felt these three words drop into my spirit. It was rebuild, reinvent, and restore. And whilst I believe that the end game of Jesus' work was and is to restore humanity to a place of connection with God, like Adam had prior to the garden, prior, prior to sin in the garden, I believe that his heart is ultimately to restore, but that does not necessarily mean he's rebuilding. And as I heard these words in my prayer time, and as I began to think about them and ponder on them, and I suppose just um, really invite the Holy Spirit to, to open up what he was talking about, rebuild, reinvent, restore. Because often we're asking God to rebuild what he actually wants to reinvent. And that's the problem, right? That, that is the problem. Religion 
has no spiritual or prophetic imagination to see the new thing that God wants to do. So it puts all its energy. Can I say that again? Religion has no spiritual, it has no prophetic imagination. It thinks it does, but when you think about it, all it does is release within its own paradigm. Whereas true prophetic imagination releases beyond what it knows into a um, into a uh, into the realm of the impossible. That's why prophetic people can be very challenging at times. You say, why, Matt? Why? Because what a prophetic person does, what a prophet does, or what someone with a prophetic gift does, is they see into heaven. They see what heaven's plan is, what heaven is saying, what the spirit is doing, and they bring it onto earth. That's why prophetic people can get very frustrated because they don't understand sometimes or don't have the maturity to recognize that there's a journey. Just because God showed you, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen overnight. And so religion has no spiritual or prophetic imagination to see the new thing that God wants to do. So what does it do instead? It puts all its energy, its resource, its time, its money, its people into rebuilding something that God isn't even a part of anymore. And that's a bold statement. And I say it in that way because I want to provoke your thinking about what your activity for the kingdom looks like at this time. Is it God breathed? Is it what God is speaking to you about? Is it what God is doing? That's not for me to decide. I'm just here stirring the pot, if you like, wanting you to think about the purpose of your life. We don't have many years and I believe that God is inviting us into this new thing. Maybe in this season, God isn't rebuilding. I believe that this isn't a season where God is rebuilding. I believe that this is actually a season where God is reinventing. And I want to talk about that a little bit more. As we do think about that, I suppose the way that I want you to think about it is in the context of tabernacles. Remember the tabernacle? There's several tabernacles in the in, in the Bible. Uh, there's the tabernacle of Moses, there's the tabernacle of Solomon, there's the tabernacle of David. And think the Jews wanting God to restore, but he's actually wanting to reinvent. See, the, the why and the what God wants to do is to restore, is to be in a relationship with God, is to fulfill that prophetic word. But the how, the how is the part often that you and I get stuck on. Why? Because we're creatures of comfort and familiarity and we want to stay in that zone. It's easier. When, why? Because we, um, <laughs> because our sinful nature loves control. And when we're out of control, when we're out of control, we fear because we don't know what is in control. And sometimes like as we process this idea of rebuilding versus reinventing, I think what happens at time, sure, the end game is restoring. But if we're, if we're asking the Lord to rebuild what he's trying to reinvent, man, that is going to be a challenge to you and to me. We must discern what God wants for the world. We must discern, we must invite the spirit deeply into every facet of our lives 
to really shine his flashlight into our lives, our ministry in seasons um, and to ensure that we are not asking God to do something that he isn't doing. We must ask the Holy Spirit for his discernment and wisdom so that we're not saying and putting our resource and time and ultimately our life into something asking him to rebuild it when he's actually reinventing it. It's also important to note that God is often at the center of the why these destructions or these disruptions is probably a safer, nicer word, happen in the first place. You say, you mean God disrupts the way that we relate to him? Yes, he does. And there's a lot of stuff in the Bible. There's a lot of... um, There's a lot of biblical proof to show you about this. Let's quickly go to Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 12. And this is Jeremiah talking about the tabernacle of Moses. Are you ready? It says, go now to the place in Shiloh. This is verse number 12, where I first made a dwelling for my name and see what I did to it because the wickedness of my people Israel. While you were doing all these things, declares the Lord. I spoke to you again and again, but you did not listen. I called to you, but you did not answer. Therefore, what I did to Shiloh, I will do now to the house that bears my name. You see what's happening here? The temple you trust, and that is important. I want you to highlight that. They've stopped trusting in his name. They've stopped being intimate with God, and they've started trusting in the temple, the temple you trust in, the place I gave you and your ancestors, I will thrust you from my presence, just as I did all your fellow Israelites, the people of Ephraim. What a powerful thing to think about that God himself enters into a thing that he established in how we relate to him to disrupt it. But it's not that he's necessarily destroying it, that he's reinventing it. And this is what happens time after time with the tabernacles. At first, there's the tabernacle of Moses. You know that God goes, Moses goes up onto the mountain and and God encounters Moses or Moses encounters God on the mountain. And the Bible tells us later in Hebrews that, that Moses built according to the pattern shown to him on the mountain. I've read some commentaries and books that have suggested that the that the um, that that uh, this piece of building, this temple, this tabernacle rather, was the perfect piece of architecture. It never needed any form of renovation. It never never it didn't need any addition or subtraction. It was perfect. It's a wonderful study if you get the time to do it because every piece of that. Um, tabernacle is a picture and a prophetic word of who Jesus is. Just even the very entrance into the tabernacle speaks of Jesus. Can I take a moment to preach to you right now? This might encourage someone. That entrance was made. The tabernacle had big outer walls and those outer walls were 150 foot on one side and on the other side it was a rectangle and then 75 foot, 75 foot. On one side was a door. That gateway was made up of, or that doorway was made up of four different color fabrics. It was made up of blue, purple, scarlet, and white fabric. 
The blue represents Jesus's heavenly origin. It represents that he is heaven. He is out of this world. The purple represents his royal nobility, that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, that he is the God above it all. The scarlet represents the blood that he would shed as the sacrificial lamb, that the lamb that the priests were about to sacrifice or the or the clean animal, whatever it was, inside on that altar, just inside the doorway of the tabernacle, that actually was Jesus. Jesus was the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and he did it through his own blood, the blood of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Jesus. And the white represents the fact that he was sinless, that he was perfect, that there was nothing, nothing sinful about him. That being the doorway tells us that Jesus is the doorway. There aren't many ways to God. There is one way and that way is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Let me as bold, be as bold to say that you cannot get there through Muhammad. You cannot get there through Buddha. You cannot get there through enlightenment. The only way to the Father and true peace with God is through Jesus, is through repenting of our sins and acknowledging the work of God, the finished work of Jesus at the cross and participating in his new life by receiving him as your Lord and your Savior. How powerful is that? That's the tabernacle. The tabernacle was incredible. But you know, there came a time when Solomon came on the scene that Solomon wrapped up the, the tabernacle and didn't build it again. At some point in time, it didn't build again. And then Solomon gets a revelation, gets something from God to, go, to build him a temple. And that's what he does. He builds a temple and it is extravagant in every single way. Nations came to see such beauty and extravagant and people, kings and queens from other places would come and marvel at it and think this must just, this is amazing. It just gave so much glory to God. Incredible. But could you imagine being someone that was like, well, I like the old temple. I like the old, what was wrong with the old way of doing it? And friend, here's the whole thing where we've got to get out of the mentality of right and wrong. It's not about right and wrong. It's about understanding that God is doing a new thing. It's not about right and wrong. It's actually about old and new. And this is why we need to be so in tune with the spirit of God these days. This is why we need to have soft hearts before God. We need to be spending time with him daily. You say, why is that? Because that is the birthing place that it creates the environment, the habitat by which God can come and speak to us and show to us and reveal to us what he wants to do. Then along comes David. David has his own tabernacle. And so it's important for us to understand Jeremiah, as we read before, helps us to understand that God actually at times is involved in the disruption of, um, of the systems by which we relate to him. So we stop trusting in the temple and we keep focused on the God of the temple. Have you ever wondered 
Um, and this is, I'm just setting this up for a few teachings that I want to do as we move forward. But have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered why if the temple was so important, have you ever wondered why in the book of Genesis chapter one, two, and three in the creation story, God did not create a temple on the sixth day when, well, on whatever day, I'm just making up numbers, right? Oh man, I've made man. Now I need to make a place that he can meet me. Have you ever wondered why God never made a temple in the book of Genesis? Why in the creation story, God doesn't create a temple? And have you also wondered why in Revelation, in John's vision, in Revelation chapter 21, when he gets his revelation of the new city, John describes a whole lot of things in a very temple-rich society where the temple was a massive focus for the Jewish people, for John. Have you ever wondered why in Revelations 21, when John is describing this new heaven and earth, that he does not see or does not mention a temple? There's no temple in Genesis, in creation. There's no temple in Revelation. Yet here we find ourselves in a society, in a way of relating to God that is so addicted to the temple that maybe we've lost sight of the God of the temple. We're so busy trying to rebuild this that we're missing the new thing that God wants to do. And this whole time together today, as I bring this to a close, is all about in, um, is all about challenging you to invite the Lord into your life to show you what are the areas that you are hooked up in the temple and not the God of the temple. I said that there was no temple in Genesis and Revelations, but to be honest with you, this is not entirely correct. God did create a temple in Genesis and in Revelation. They are there, but the temple is not a building that is made by man's hand. It's not a church building as we know it. It's not an ancient Jewish kind of temple as we know it. It's not a tabernacle like Moses and Solomon and David built. The temple that God built is you and me. That's why you don't see one see one in John's vision because it's you. That's why you don't see it in Genesis because you are the temple. God didn't need to create something in the way for you to relate to him. Religion does that. Our sinful nature has required that. But since the finished work of Jesus, this is why the New Testament teaches us that you and I are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can you begin to see how radical this teaching is to a first century uh, Jew in the book of Acts in those Bible times? Because it's, it's so challenging. And I'm trying to help you to see today that God's trying to reinvent right to an ancient way back to the garden of how we relate to him. And I want to really encourage you today that in this new thing that God is doing, like John chapter one tells us in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. John chapter one, verse six, I believe it. I believe it is says, and the word became flesh 
and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is simply the word, it's in the original, it's translated into our language as the word dwelt, but it's actually the word tabernacled. Tabernacle simply means meeting place. The temple, the tabernacle of Moses, the temple of Solomon, and the tabernacle of David, the, the, tabern- the temple that the Jews had to worship in in Jerusalem. It was just the meeting place, the place they met with God. But God is doing a new thing where you and I don't need to relate to him through these systems of man, but we relate directly with God. That is the way that Jesus made for us. So I'm trying to help you to see that Jesus, Jesus made a way for you and I to be in connection with him. And I know that you know that, like I know that you know that, but the conversation that I'm wanting to really have today is why are you and I so hooked up on trying to rebuild when God might be trying to reinvent? So we as a church community are asking the spirit to show us what are the new things that you're doing? What are the new things? What are the new ways? What are you, how, how God are you restoring our relationship? How are you restoring the power of the kingdom of God? How are you restoring us to be your children? Lord, we've been praying for revival for a long time, but God, how do you want to do that in this season? And I really believe that as we invite the Holy Spirit on that journey, something powerful will happen. I'm not sitting here saying I have all the all the answers. Trust me, just ask our team. We're trying new things all the time. We're we're definitely trying some bigger, um, more challenging things that we're noticing is taking a while for people to understand and get the why behind the what. But friend, we are committed to leaning into what the Holy Spirit is doing. And I believe that there is an invitation. I believe that there is an invitation to the the church of Jesus Christ to be a part of this new but ancient way of following Jesus. Friend, please hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying um, that I'm not saying we throw everything out that we know. What I am saying is that we have an open heart. We have an open heart to what the Lord wants to do moving forward. You know, it never um, ceases to fascinate me to think about um, even the last 20 to 30 years of my walk with Jesus. I grew up in church. I've been in church longer than that, but... um, it, 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 it's, it's fascinating because um, people that in one season were pioneers. I remember when praise and worship was just starting to take off in a contemporary expression here in the church, right? Here, here in, um, on, in, in the church and in the world, just full stop. And there were a whole lot of people making a big impact. But we must ensure that we don't get stuck Celebrating, let's remember, let's honor, let's thank God, let's have stone memorial stones so we can remember the good things that He's done, but let's not get stuck here while God's trying to move us there. 
I don't know about you, but when I pray for revival, <laughs> because of my background, I, I was praying, I've been praying for repentance and weeping and altar calls and all these sorts of things. And I want to see that. But what if God wants to do that and something else? What if he wants to do something else? It's about being open. So God's inviting you to be a part of a new wineskin. Will you say yes? I pray that you do. God bless you. Stick around or click the like, subscribe. Uh, the next teaching is going to be unpacking some of what a new wineskin person looks like. Bless you.